Uh, my thoughts and my uh, upon my heart have been a little scattered this afternoon as I try to um, compose and prepare what the Lord has uh, placed for us tonight. And, I, and as I said, I do desire an interest in, in your prayers uh, that this message would be exactly what the Lord needs for, for this hour. And uh, I, if you have your Bibles, if no one else has anything on their heart, I, I want you to follow the Lord tonight. That's the least anybody can ask of you is that you would just follow the Lord. And uh, we want His will to be done tonight. So if there's nothing else to be uh, to be said, we'll, we'll uh, go forward as the Lord would see fit. But um, if you have your Bibles, I want to turn tonight to the 119th Psalm. Now, before I, I stepped down at Fellowship, I had begun kind of going through this on a Sunday night and uh, preaching through each of the sections. And it is, it's been a wonderful, uh, eye-opening psalm. And what we see here is we see what is called a wisdom psalm. And we see the love and respect and reverence and, and the praise that the psalmist offers to the Lord for his word. And I believe here in this psalm that this kind of sets the standard of how all of God's people should view his word. This is, as we see in this psalm so many times, this is a man who has a great love and desire to know the word of God. And not just to know it, but to do it. I, I, I fully believe that, that he has the same mind state as Ezra, right? It says, and I believe it's Ezra chapter 7, that he not only set his heart to know the word, but to do the word. And I believe we see here the same type of attitude. And I do believe that we, that we can have that as well. And we all should have. Right? So as we, as we've gone through this psalm, I, I, I'm going to look tonight in the ninth section, uh, there is starting with verse 65. But what we see here is we see that the, the sections all, there are 22 sections all starting with the, each phrase or each verse begins with the, with the same letter of the corresponding Hebrew alphabet. So tonight as we look at this, we're going to look at the ninth section. And so this comes, every line in here will begin, will have a word that begins with the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and that is Teth. Now I am by no means a Hebrew scholar and you will find that out uh, as we go through this. But the, the, the Hebrew letter for Teth it may, it is a, the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and it makes a hard T sound just like we would have in, um, in tall or, or took or something like that. But one thing I, I found a couple of things interesting. It is the least frequently occurring letter in the scriptures. I had no idea that that was the case. But in the letter is a sim, there's a symbolism. If you study the Hebrew alphabet at all, the letters and the way they're formed have certain symbols and certain meanings and they can form different things and, and they begin to, to take on a new meaning, not only in how they're shaped, but also in where they're used in, in the writings. But what we see here is the letter. It is a symbolism and it can re- represent both evil and it can represent both good. And the form of the letter, if it, if it's formed in, in the handwriting or in the, uh, uh, in how it's written in the laws, it is a form of being inverted, which represents hidden goodness and also a representation of hidden uh, impurities and hidden provisions that can come along. So the letter can also be a picture, and I found this interesting as well. The way that it is is, is formed, it's formed with something that they call crownlets uh, in the writings. And so it can be, it can take the form of one of two things, right? And it's depending on kind of how it's used in the context, is that it can either be a picture of a man bowing to the one who has the crown upon his head, or it can be a picture of a man with a crown upon his own head with the body of a serpent. And so it's very interesting in how they have formed these things. And it is one of the eight crowned letters in the Hebrew 
alphabet. And so it's written, it's believed and written in the, their, their uh, writings of the Talmud that God gave these letters to, to Moses and uh, to signify that one would come and fulfill all the crowns that were written in the law. <laughs> and so we see that that man would come and appear on the earth and Jesus Christ as he would f- fulfill every jot and tittle of the law. But as we look through this, I'm going to try my best to, to get through it. I, as I found myself studying, I, I found myself kind of going in a, in a different direction. I pray tonight that the Lord will just, just speak through me tonight and that we'd be able to just have a better understanding of his word. But we'll start reading here in the 65th verse. And he says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. And we'll stop right there. Because when I was trying to study, I couldn't get much farther than that one verse. And I love the, the, how he describes it. As he writes, he's, he wants to stop. And the first thing he does in this section is he takes a moment to praise the Lord. And, I, and so often we find this written in the scriptures and so often it's something that's overlooked in our lives. So many times we want to just praise the Lord for tangible goods, for tangible things that he puts upon us and that he gives us in his life. But I see, but what we see here is that he, he praises the Lord for how he has dealt with him. Right? So we see that the interactions, the communing, the being, the fellowship, the way that God interacts with the psalmist here, he says, you have dealt and interacted well with me. Are you thankful the Lord, the, the way the Lord treats you? <laughs> Are you thankful for that? When was the last time you just thanked him for his goodness and grace that he shows you every single day? We see that in, in dealing well, we see that it's a thankfulness for the goodwill and grace and the benefits that flow directly from his person is given directly to us. And those aren't always tangible things, are they? Just his grace, as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. As we know that Jesus Christ is the spring and source through which all spiritual blessings flow. Just the fact that he allows us to get out of bed every day, he deals with us in mercy, doesn't he? Every single day. The blessings we see as, he, as we see that he deals with us in who he is in long-suffering. Psalm 86 tells us that he's full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy. And truth. The interaction that he is praising him here for is one of grace and goodness. And I don't know if we've done it enough in the past just thanking the Lord that he is good. That he is good. That he's gracious. That by his un, un, by his unmerited favor, he lifts us out of the miry clay, sets us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and bestows benefits upon us. By his hope, by his grace, you and I have way more than we ever deserve. And way more than we could ever thank him for. Way more than we could ever praise him for. It's an interaction and treatment of grace and blessings. We see in Psalm 13, he says, I'll sing unto the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 116, after he cried because of the pains of hell were upon him. And he felt the flames of, de- flames of hell and the pangs of death. He said, I cried unto the Lord and he rescued me. And he said, return unto the rest, O my soul. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me his overflowing mercy his overflowing grace where sin once abounded grace does much more abound and he has dealt bountifully with each and every one of us in ways that we don't deserve his merciful dealings to withhold not just uh, not just uh, not just give us beyond what we deserve but aren't you thankful he withholds what you really deserve that each and every day that he that that we are not consumed. I love what it says in Psalms 103, probably one of my favorite psalms, says that he has not dealt with us 
according to our transgressions, but he has dealt with us in mercy. We see that as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. And as the east, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions. As far as we can get, he said, he's like a father pitying, pitying his children, and he pities them that fear him. As we read in, in Ezra, Ezra chapter 9, if he is, after they have made it back to, to Jerusalem, he makes this statement as he sees all the evil that they had done, all the idolatry and the, 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 the foreign marriages that he says, he says, after all this has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespasses, seeing that thou, our God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. And we know in Lamentations it tells us that our mercies are new every day. And even if you're here today and lost, you may not experience the same grace and goodness that we do every day. You may not experience it as a, as a saved person, but I want you to know if the Lord allows you another day, it's only by His long suffering, His forbearance, and by His mercy that He's given you another opportunity to call upon His name. You may not recognize it, you may not understand it fully, but I want you to know that you are a direct recipient of His mercy and of His grace because He is long-suffering. That all would come to repentance, that none should bear, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans chapter 3 tells us that He's long-suffering for the propitiation of those sins and forbearance of sins past, that you might be forgiven of those. I love the way Matthew Henry put it. He says, however God has dealt with us, We must own he has dealt well with us better than we deserve. And all in love and with design to work for our good, in many instances, God has done well for us beyond our expectations. Beyond anything we could ever expect. And I love the way he, uh, Paul would write in, in Ephesians chapter 3. He would tell us, praise be to God who does far above anything we could expect and anything we could exceedingly think or ask. Has God exceeded your wildest imagination? Has He exceeded your wildest uh, thought in your mind? The wildest thing that you could ever think He could He could supply, He has supplied it. And I'm thankful tonight that I serve a God who continues to amaze me. He continues to amaze me. I, I was talking to someone at fellowship, and we would have conversations often about how the Lord works and how uh, and how she's she she just is is mindful of His hand. And one of the things I told her. Let us never be surprised at what the Lord can do, but let us always be amazed. <laughs> let us always be amazed. Because when we say that we're surprised at what the Lord can do, and how He deals with us, and what He can do in our lives, surprise says that He takes us off guard, and we never expect, expect, expected or thought He had the power to do so. But when we're amazed, we know that all things are well within His capabilities, but yet he, we're amazed that He does so. That he decides to deal with us in, in that way. And so I'm thankful tonight that I have a God who deals with us in grace and mercy. Oh, how I deserve, even today, even past my salvation, how badly I deserve and he would be right and just in casting me off for all, for all of eternity. He would be just and good to remove my salvation from me, but he continues to deal with me through the blood of the intercessor who ever lives. He continues to deal with me in that way. And I'm thankful today for an eternal security that he continues to deal with us mercifully and bountifully. And I love what he says here as we look into this first verse. According to thy word. 
So what we see here in His Word, we see that not only is it His law and His commandments, not only is it His precepts and His His directions to His people, but also we see here that we see if He's dealing with us according to His Word, we also have the recordings and the writings and the revelation of His promises of how He will deal with us. And so we see that David here begins to thank Him, not because He's he's, uh, dealing with Him in some abstract, obscure way, but what He's read and believed to know the truth, He finds God and experiences Him dealing with Him and working with Him and blessing Him according to His Scriptures. And I believe that's a key part in everything that we do. I'm a firm believer that the way the Lord deals with us and works with us will be according to how it's written in the Scriptures. If we think the Lord's leading us some way that's not uh, harmonizing and coordinating with His Scriptures, I think we better try the spirits a little bit. Because I do believe that He will lead us accordingly to how He says here. Now, I don't want to put God in a box. I know that He can do far above anything we think or ask. But I do believe that He has given this Not so he can put himself in a box so that we can know and try the spirits by which he does lead us. And that's what David is saying here. I'm I'm praising the Lord for his goodness and grace because I've read it in the scriptures. He's promised it to me and now he has fulfilled it and he's interacted with me in that same way. Aren't you glad to know that the Lord interacts with his people and and we see the spirit now moving past just a knowledge of his promises to an assurance of them? What good is a promise if it's never fulfilled? But we see His Spirit not only bringing an assurance, but we see His Spirit now also interacting with those things and fulfilling them and making them true, proving them. That's what David says. You have approved yourself to deal with me well as I have read in your Scriptures. The Spirit fulfills. So just knowing a promise isn't the same as a promise that's fulfilled. There's a lot of people out there, if you go to any of these modern day churches, they'll tell you just claim the promises of God, claim this or claim that. I hope one day, I hope to be a gracious recipient of his promises. His promises are his. It's up to him whether or not he'll bless me with them. But by his grace, by his mercy and the way he deals with me, he fulfills those promises to me. Who are we to just go take the promises of God? I'm thankful we can stand upon him. I'm thankful what God says, that he is faithful, that he will do what he says. But I'm much much more grateful that his spirit interacts and proves those to me. Right? So we see that God owes us no promises. He would be right and just in offering no dealings with us and canceling all the promises he has made to us, doesn't he? He'd be right and just. There are numerous promises, and I hope to go through some of them tonight, but there are Numerous things that God has promised to us that just in us, in our sinful flesh, every day would be right and just in canceling every one of them. <laughs> would be right and just in doing it. I love the 78th Psalm. We get a little picture of that. If you haven't uh, spent any time reading the 78th Psalm, I encourage you to do so. It's a, it, it's a recordings of the ups and downs of Israel, their turnings and their blessings. But I love what it says. It says they neither flattered him with their mouth. And they lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, destroyed them not, yea, many a turned, turned he in his anger away, and did not stir up his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh. <laughs> they were a wind that passes away. And comes not again. How oft they did provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. But he remembered that they were but flesh. 
And he kept his promises. He kept his covenant that he had made with them. And I'm thankful that we know and we can read. And as I said, we can see these promises fulfilled in here. Aren't you glad that one of the first promises that we read and that we can find comfort in, and aren't you glad that he's proved it to be real, that whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved? What a great promise that is. That one's been fulfilled to me. How do I know? Because one day I called upon him and he saved me. I know this one is real and I will stand it, not just because I read it or some man pointed me to it, but because one day I, I believed it and I experienced it and I'm assured that I've been saved. I've experienced this promise because when God says, if you'll call on me, I'll save you, that's a promise we can bank on, isn't it? Right, and so just as the same point, aren't you glad that there's a promise that when you, if you seek him and call upon him, and if you turn from your wicked, wicked ways, that he will have mercy upon you, and that he will abundantly pardon? Aren't you glad that one's been fulfilled? Have you experienced the truth, and that one experienced the truth of salvation, that if you call upon him, you'll find his mercy, you'll find pardon from your sin, you will find forgiveness? Now let me say this, again if you're lost, until you found this promise to be fulfilled, until you find the Lord has dealt with you mercifully and He saved your soul, all the other promises hold no place. This is the very first promise you need to experience. Not just because mom and dad have told it to you, but because you have experienced and it has been assured to you that this promise is real. And so if you're here tonight lost, let this be the first promise you seek after to find whether or not it's true. That you experience it, that he would deal with you according to the scriptures. Because he says, whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved. So we know that if you call upon him, he promises you will be saved. So you say, well, I've called upon him. I'm still not saved when you really haven't called upon him. And you really haven't. But you haven't called with him from all the bottom of your heart. But aren't you glad also have you experienced the promise that in times of, of, of needing help in time of trouble, what it says in Psalm 91, he shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Have you found that one to be true? Have you found it to be true that when you, when you, when we stray, when we go kind of off on our own, when we go seeking things in this world and we find ourselves departing from him, have you found the promise to be real that if that, if from thence thou shalt seek thy God, thou shalt find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul? Have you found that one to be true? Oh, I have many times. And aren't you glad the promise when the cares of this life are heavy and we're wondering about the tangible and the, 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 the temporal things of this life? Aren't you glad there's a promise that he makes you? And if you found it to be true, that if you'll just seek first the kingdom of heaven, everything else will be given to you. <laughs> These are great promises that we find in the word. Great promises that if we'll just seek him, he'll give us everything that we need. He'll fulfill everything we need. He'll take care of every want. He'll take care of every need. And he'll deal with us in that grace and mercy because none of us deserve it. But all he calls upon us to do to fulfill that promise is to seek him first. To seek him first. Find our satisfaction. Find our, find our wants or find our, our, our satisfaction, our needs fulfilled in him first. And he'll take care of everything else. I'm thankful that Brother Corey read that message, read that passage. That's a promise that God has given us. When we're alone and we think we're deserted, be strong and be of good courage, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Have you ever found a time when the Lord has forsaken you? 
and found the Lord not to be faithful to you? Because He promised He would. Isaiah 41, He says, Fear fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with thy right hand of righteousness. Isaiah 43, He says, I have called you by my name. I have redeemed you. Thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. I'll be with thee. And now I could just stand up here, as I said, I could just read these to you one by one, but I've been through the waters and I know he'll be with us. I know he'll be with you. And aren't you glad he fulfills these and proves these things? It's not just something we read about on a page. But I'm thankful that I know when I pass through the waters, when I'm passing through the fire, as it says in Isaiah 43, when I pass through the fire, I will not be burned, but he'll be with me. Why is Brother Corey read? I told you, be not dismayed, for I will go before thee. That's a promise that we have and we experience it each and every day because he deals with us in goodness and mercy. He would be right and just, as I said, to cast us off and let us just go out into this world on our own, wouldn't he? He would be right and just in doing so. But by his goodness and his grace, he's given us these promises according to his words and he deals and interacts with us in these times of trouble, in these times when we need him. He makes us promises and he's able to fulfill them and he proves it to us. We also see that he has made covenants with his people. That we read about the covenants that he's made with Israel and the covenants that he's made with his people. I'm thankful tonight to be part of the new covenant. I'm thankful tonight that because I have this laws written upon my heart that I can take part in the new covenant where my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful tonight that as you, that I, that I've lived my life and I began to understand that when he made the covenant and said, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you curse me and disobey me, I will curse you. Right, that's a covenant. There's an agreement in that. I found that one to be true over and over and over again. And when I obey him, I'll find his blessings. But I'm thankful today that the covenant that was given and the promises that we have, that we as Gentiles are able to enter into it. Aren't you glad that we read about the Gentiles being grafted in? Aren't you glad you've experienced that? Just as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, that you who were once aliens separated from the covenants, without hope in this world, without God, you now have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. You now have been entered in. You have been grafted in, as it says in Galatians chapter 3, Romans chapter 4, that even the Gentiles are of the seed of Abraham. And much much less as being a seed of Abraham, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's a promise that we have. That's a covenant that he's made with those who who have sought after him. That he can fulfill these promises. And all those promises we talked about are pieces on and 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 pieces and clauses, if you will, within that great covenant, isn't it? If you're one of his, all those promises fall to you, and they're like clauses on a contract. If you if we will, and those things fit into his covenant. I'm thankful tonight to be one of his. I'm thankful tonight to know that he is with us always, even until the end of the world, aren't you, church? And no matter what we do, I shouldn't say that. If we'll stand for his truth, it's probably a better way to put it. If we stand for his truth and we fight the good fight, he'll go with us. I tried to preach um one of my last sermons there, fellowship, about uh, them casting out of the boat to go cast off their nets on the other side when they had fishing all night. One thing I love about that story is when they cast off, Christ went with them in the boat. (laughs) He went with them. Aren't you glad whenever he tells us to cast off somewhere and we may not know the end result, he'll go with us. He'll go with us. What a promise we have because he is faithful in his dealings with, in all his dealings with his people. 
It said in his word, he's promised it to his people. It will be kept and fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 25 says, O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful who has promised. If God has made us a promise, let us not cling to our ability to follow after Him and we will fail, but let us cling wholly because He's faithful. Let us cling on to Him because He has promised it. And we know that if God says it, He cannot lie. As it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, faithful is He that has called you, He will do it. He will do it. He promised His promises as we read here. I'm thankful that if we obey Him, He promises prosperity to us. He promises us blessings. I'm thankful for that. Now, they may not be the same blessings that the world thinks that they are, the same riches that they are, but I tell you this, if the Lord has promised to bless you, if you obey Him, He'll bless you in ways this world will never understand. He promises never to, they never proclaim easiness. They never proclaim that it will be painless. But He does promise comfort, doesn't He? That's why he sent the cover. He said, I will send another one to you. <laughs> I'll send you the comforter. But he's promised us joy. He's promised us blessings. He's promised us help. He's promised us strength in the midst of the storm. So if we find ourselves in a situation where God is not blessing us or we feel he's not fulfilling his promises, let us not doubt God, but let us examine where we're at. Let us examine our lives. Where? Why can we not experience his blessings? So we cannot expect the faithfulness of God where we have rejected his commandments. We cannot, any act of faithfulness will be done in an attempt to draw you back to him, rather to or either to encourage repentance that you would see his goodness and come back, or it will be in the response to our repentance. We find ourselves outside the, the faithfulness of God. It's not God, it's us. And I encourage you, wherever we may be, if we find those things failing in our lives, I believe self-examination, I believe self in looking, I believe self-examination and repentance, they should be constant matters in the life of a Christian. I believe it should be constant. I believe it should be constant. But I'm thankful tonight to have a God who's faithful to me. <laughs> Think about that. I love what it says in Psalms chapter 8. Who is man that you should put anything upon him, that you would have any dealings with him? Who am I that God would be faithful to me when I can't be faithful to him at all? Who am I that God would decide to bless me and deal well with me? For I in no way deserve it. I in no way deserve even the, the, to be, as, 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 as the psalmist would write, I in no way even deserve to be a doorkeeper. In the house of the Lord. I in no way deserve to be as John the Baptist said. To latch the, 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 the laces on his sandals. I in no way. As Paul would write so many times. I'm the least of all the saints. And I know what he was talking about. He said I'm the least of all the saints. But I'm the chiefest of sinners. And I feel exactly what he's talking about. So who are we? This should exalt. This should encourage. This should bring in us every ounce of rejoicing and praise that we can muster in these feeble bodies because the Lord deals well with us. Because <laughs> He deals well with us. So it should be something that is constantly upon our lips is to praise the Lord that He just deals well with us. That it's as well off as we are. 
that each and every day we experience, even though we may become blind to it, we may become cold to it, each and every day we are great rich recipients of His grace and His mercy. Because He's promised He would do it. And I don't know about you, but those are some of the things that amaze me about this. That He has dealt well with Thy servant. So we see here that he doesn't lift him up. I know we, when he saves us, he makes us into one of his own. He makes us a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And in numerous places, he tells us he makes us a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests in his kingdom. But I'm thankful for the way he puts it here is you have dealt well with thy servant. With me who am completely surrendered, not to my cause, not to my will. I love the way we said it in that song. Uh, I am thine, O Lord. Let my will be lost in thine. Deal well with thy servant, because that should be the only thing that we have. Not because he, he, he will deal well with us, or because he will give us anything for serving him, but let us be his servant because he has dealt so well with us. Because he has already done it. Because he one day decided to have grace and pity upon you when you didn't deserve it. Let If he never had anything to do with you again, let us be his servant for the rest of our days. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant according unto thy truth. And time is getting away from me here. But I could praise him forever. Because of the way that he deals with me. Deals in ways I can never imagine, deals in ways I cannot I do not deserve. And I love it. And I, I, I do want to bring out this. Uh, as we read down to 67, I, I get a little glimpse of how well he does deal with us. As we read down here, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep thy word. Even when he has gone astray, he called him back to, re- to restoration. He calls him back. To, he calls him back from, uh, from the, the affliction or the humbling, the bowing down that he has pressed upon him. Whatever way he was lifted up, whatever way in his pride and in his own doings and of his own flesh, he was led away by his own pride and prosperity. We see that he was brought down and afflicted. Aren't you glad the Lord still brings you back? The Lord still humbles with you, even in his chastisement. Let us never think he's dealing, dealing wrong with us. But even in his chastisement, let us see how well he does deal with us. Because that dealing, we know that's what confirms that we are one of his. Because it says there that he chastens those he loves. He chastens those that, 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 he, uh, that, 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 that are his. If we are not, we are not his sons. But I'm thankful that his chastising is more, is not arbitrary. It's not without purpose. It's not just in anger. But it's for our molding. Every once in a while, if the potter isn't getting what he wants out of the clay, he's got to break it and start all over, doesn't he? Every so often, we need that. But even in that, how well he deals with you, even in the chastisement that we says, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And even in our failures, he still invites us to be partakers of his person. The divine nature he talks about in, in, in first, or, uh, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. He talks about us being partakers of his divine nature. Even in our failures and our transgressions, he still invites us to be partakers of his person. Who are we? As I said, at the very first instant, 
that we're that that we sin after we saved him. If you're like me, it probably wouldn't have took you any time at all after that moment you got saved. But still, even in the chastisement, he invites you to come know me more, come be partakers of my person. And it goes on this here that we would even produce fruits of righteousness by them, fruits of righteousness. Oh, let us never turn away from the chastising. Even in that, even in times when we grow cold and, and any time, you know, we feel the Lord's, not the, 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 the Lord's present, it never departs us, but we just don't feel Him stirring within us. We so, feel so cold. We feel so distant from Him. Oh, just to even have a glimpse and even to feel Him move upon us in our chastisement. How good is that? Just to feel the Lord's Spirit moving within us in some way. But it's not without person. It's for a good purpose that we may learn from them. Affliction and discipline is not to be despised or ran from. But again, that's one of the ways that he deals well with us. If he didn't care about us, if he didn't deal well with us, he would just let us go off into anything we wanted to in any way we, we, uh, we, we could find in this world to go off. But he loves us enough to continually call us out of those things, doesn't he? And try to correct us. That we won't go back into them. And I'm here to tell you, I can be a, 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 I'm a firm believer that if you experience this, like he said, if you experience it just as you read it in verse 71, he says, it was good for me that I've been afflicted. I hope that each and every one is fine that the chastisement is good. I hope at the end result, you never want to get back into what you've been chastised for. You never want to get back out there, right? That's when chastisement has its perfect, has its perfect work. The affliction and discipline is not to be despised or ran from, but it's to be accepted and understood. He said, it was good for me to be afflicted and disciplined by God. I look back on it now. I never thought of it for a moment. My parents were disciplining me. I was, they were molding me and making me. I never thought it was for a good purpose. But here I am, almost 40 years old now. I look back on it and every single one was for a good purpose. And if you've served the Lord for any time at all, you know that his chastisement has been for a good purpose. It's been for a good purpose. It's not without anger, or it's not done arbitrarily in wrath or in anger. Not without purpose, but it's a molding and a forming that we may learn, that we may grow. I'm thankful that even he, and I, there's probably a lot of people in this world who won't understand that. You won't understand why we, 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 we don't look forward to it, but aren't you thankful for it? Aren't you thankful for the chastising, the chastening hand of God, the molding and the making that He puts you through? I'm thankful for that. Oh man. I'm thankful that He deals with us on a personal level. He blesses His church. But aren't you glad beyond the, the, uh, the, the macro? He blesses us on an individual micro level. We leave this place. I'm thankful for the blessings I feel every time I go into his house when I'm gathered with God's people. But I'm thankful for the times I can feel him dealing well with me when I'm at home studying by myself. For those times I'm just calling upon him in my prayer closet that he deals well with us. That he would even just, that he would even allow us into his presence to call upon him. That we would have a new and living way, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, into the very presence, into the holy of holies. He has dealt very well with us. He has blessed us. He has given us more than we deserve. Oh, and there's so much more I could say here. 
But let, let me, I'm going to read the rest of this psalm. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Let me just say this right here. I love the way he puts it. He says, for I have believed thy commandments. But he goes beyond that. Lord, teach me wisdom and judgment by them. For a long time, as you, as if you've grown up in, in a church at all, there was a long time where every single one of us probably believed because our parents taught us we believe that, that, that Christ died for us and we'd be saved by him. We believed him. We may not have fully understood it or fully had a full uh, knowledge that we may have now, but we always believed it. But what we see here is the sanctification because I do believe it. Lord, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Teach me, O oh Lord. These things, aren't you glad you know more about the death of Christ now than you did when you got saved? Aren't you glad you know now more and understand more about how the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth now that you've got saved and you're a member of it than you did the day you got saved? Right? So I, I love the way he put that. I believed in them. The Lord, teach me judgment and knowledge by them. Teach those things to me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good, teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is fat as, as grease or just a, a over, overwhelmed with fatness of the good of this world. But I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth it's better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. So let us tonight, let us praise the Lord for His dealings with us. Because He has dealt well with us. He's been long-suffering to us. He saved us He's by His grace. And aren't you glad He saved you despite yourself? He saved you knowing the sins you would commit the next day. But in that moment... He looked beyond all that and he saw your broken and contrite spirit and rescued you from us <laughs> despite ourselves. His mercy and grace that he deals with us as well as he does. So I appreciate your time and attention.